Coming up, can you plan, report and keep track of progress as well in a remotely run project as you can in a face-to-face -face one? I'll be back with you with my guests in just a few seconds. Welcome to the Biard Partnerships podcast channel. I'm Harley Lovegrove, and it is my pleasure to share with you the broad range of topics which my studio guests and I explore together. The Biard podcast channel is made possible through the Partnerships Academy program. Managing projects remotely. In this series, I want to explore the topic of remote project management and all the challenges and benefits it brings. With so many people having to switch to running their entire projects remotely, it might be reassuring to know that for some, this has been their way of life for a long time now. Part three, planning, reporting, and keeping your project on track. In this podcast, we will be discussing how best to plan, report and keep track on progress in a remotely managed project or program. To help me explore this topic, I'm joined by Oliver Tallett, Managing Partner for the Biod Partnership UK, whose experience of life has taken him from the comparatively safe world of marketing right through to working in military intelligence and covert policing. For the last seven years, Oliver has been managing projects for large industrials and banks in Germany, Luxembourg, and more recently, the Netherlands. Wendy De Waal, a seasoned project and program manager, used to managing teams in critical environments, formerly in the petrochemical industry, and for the last 10 years, for a technology supplier to the emergency services here in Belgium. Patrick de Moulinard, an extremely experienced program manager and leading expert in agile project management, whose former clients include GDF Suez, Honda, the European Commission, and who today manages a digital innovation program in Belgium's transport sector. And lastly, Jürgen van Gorp, Bayard's resident professor and author of two books, The Castle, a fairy tale story demonstrating why project documentation is necessary, and his masterwork, Chagua, a completely new methodology that allows the combination of agile, waterfall and change control to work simultaneously in one program. Welcome all. I would like to begin with you, Oliver, because in all the times that I've known you, you've actually worked abroad. I mean, even in your previous career and now in the last seven years as a project manager, so you spent most of your time away from home and close to your clients, and now you're spending your time away from your clients and close to home. What have the changes been for you? Hi, Holly. Yeah, I don't think the changes have affected me too much, to be honest. I think that the experiences that I've had over the years have uh, helped me to adapt quite easily to changes that take place. I'm used to working from home, and uh, the recent processes and things that the, the requirements that are in place for us to all stay at home haven't really affected me too badly because my clients at the moment are spread out all over the world in Netherlands, San Jose, Taiwan. It just means that uh, I can't travel as much as I used to to Taiwan to uh, visit my client at the manufacturing plant. With the technology that we have nowadays you can quite easily share information and uh, you can do it from your from your smartphone or 
from your kitchen or from your bedroom while you're still lying in bed. So, uh... <laughs> well, you know, I, I, take, I can take it and, and reassure our listeners that you're not lying in, in bed this morning and that you are in, in, in my virtual studio. Um, I'd, like to switch, nice I'd, like, I'd like to switch to Jurgen. Uh, Jurgen, how's this affected you? Because I know you like to be with the team and sort of mucked in there with everyone around you. How is it now for you? Well, I would say that the only thing that, that we are missing right now is the gossip at the coffee machine. Um, but for the rest, you must know that 80% of our meetings were virtual already. So this has just turned into 100%. I have distributed teams that are working all over the world. And in nearly every meeting that we did, there's always somebody who is dialing in. So basically, the, the way how we do the meetings is just the same. It's just that you have less people in, uh, in the local office. Okay, thank you very much. And then, Patrick, for you, this definitely is new. Huh? This is this is a new way of working for you because you used to work in in the office of your client, and I know that your people were all sort of in the same building. So, how has it affected you, Patrick? Uh, in a positive way, I must say. I think that working uh, working remotely uh, should become the new the new normal way of working in the company for which I work for the moment. They are not used to working in the, in the remote way. They like to see everybody coming in in the morning, uh, batching on, 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 the, on the system. And at that moment, they are sure that, uh, that the people are, are productive, which is, of course, not the case. And they were very slightly trying to, to limit this, this, uh, this batching system and they're trying to get rid of it. But on the other hand, the forces inside the company to, to continue the batching system um, were, were very high. So my guess is now that once we, we, we return to, to semi-normal, is that they will uh, hopefully see that batching every morning is, is really not is, is really not, uh, in, not necessary in, anymore. No, no, no. no exactly. No, no. So uh, tell me, Wendy, how have the changes impacted you? We were all asked to start working from home which is for us not that different because we are used to work from home. We don't always go to the office every day. Also, the people are used to work like one or two days in a week from home. So Is that everybody in your team? They all work yeah. one or two days? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So in that perspective, it's not very different from uh, before. The only difference now that it's always all of the time, of course. And on top of that, what's also different is, of course, that the children are at home. Yeah. Which doesn't make it easier for neither of us. So some of our colleagues now have been asked to work less. Okay. Um, so that's for a... Budgetary reasons and also from a family perspective. So that's also impacting the way of working. The topic of today is really about planning, reporting and keeping your projects on track. And for me, in my days, many years ago of project management, the planning process was a very collaborative one. And I'd like to switch to you, Jurgen, because I've actually seen some of your plans. I mean, they're absolutely crazy. I mean, I've actually seen one when you were planning the migration, if I remember correctly, of a whole financial system of the banking section of one of your clients and a very intense moment and you were actually planning to a five and ten minute intervals in microsoft project so what is the how is this affecting the planning process is it as collaborative as it was or is it still for you a very solo effort it's 
kind of, of more difficult now in that sense that uh, typically what I did in the past was to always align these plans with every single subject uh, matter expert. I have to do that now also, but uh, through virtual meetings. So it always is uh, looking for free space in, in the agenda. While when we were sitting together, you could just turn around and say, hey, I, I need this uh, this question answered. Can you quickly uh, help me with this specific line, um, that this, this task that needs to happen? And they would detail it out five minutes and they're gone. That's the difficult part now. You, you can no longer do that. So uh, now I have to beg for uh, their detailed uh, schemes fit this into the larger planning, but there is a higher risk that at that moment you make mistakes and that there are tasks missed. So it makes it more complex. You, you, it's no longer easy to align with, with people. Yeah. Okay. I'd like to switch back to you, Patrick, because you're working in a very agile environment. Has there been any impact on the actual planning process at all? For us, not really, because um, I think the agile rituals that we, that we apply uh, the daily stand-up meetings, uh, the sprint reviews, planning meetings, uh, retrospectives, they're all taking place uh, as before, only this time they are taking place remotely. Okay, and are you getting the attendance you need in those meetings? Is the discipline there? The discipline is there even even more than before because the, the difficulty of remote video calls is, of course, that you need to focus on, on the person who, uh, who speaks, uh, which in, in physical meetings is often not the case. And then you often have in, in physical meetings, uh, bilateral meetings uh, or bilateral conversations that, that take place. And so, in, 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 um, in a video chat, you don't have that uh, uh, happening because you have to listen to the person who is talking. Okay, so I suppose also then you're working in, in, with, with the video cameras on. Oliver, um, coming back to you, I mean, you, you mentioned that you've got uh, people, you're working with teams all over the world. I mean, how, how is the planning process for you? Is it changed dramatically? How do you get that collaboration going in the actual planning section part of the projects? Well, luckily for me, um, we did all the planning prior to the travel restrictions uh, okay. coming into place. But um, with that in mind, I remember that one of the projects that I had before, I had over 3,000 lines of planning in a program that, uh, that we worked on before. Big project plan on the wall and a bit of wall hanging down denoting where we were that day. On this project, it's a, it's a much bigger global project, but uh, for each project uh, of which there are 38, I've probably got no more than 20 lines of planning per project in each phase. That being said, with the work streams that I've got, there's five work streams, only one of them I'm having difficulty with. Every week I've got a pre-meeting, pre-planning meeting before a uh, status update, and I t speak to all the leads, either individually or as groups, and I help them with their planning and just help them move along in their status reports to the plans. I guess it's just making sure that we regularly keep in touch with each other. I think that's the best way that, you know, we, we keep these projects driving forward and make sure that, that we keep to the timelines. Even though we are working remotely, we're just all keeping in touch with each other and uh, we're all in the same boat. We're all, we've all got the same problems and struggles. Uh, yeah, but I remember, uh, Oliver, I remember working with you in Germany many, many years ago. And, and I remember at that time that one of your one of your skills was really to be able to keep prodding at people. You were very meticulous in your planning and you, you kept coming back and you kept chasing and you never kind of gave up because to get information out of people. Is it harder now to get information out of people than it was then? Uh, or, or is it or was it just just different for you? I guess I don't notice my own sort of traits 
And it's funny you should say that because it was only uh, yesterday I was speaking to the communications manager and she was telling me the trouble she was having. And uh, I was explaining what she should do and giving her some tips. And she she said exactly the same thing. She said, you just don't give up, do you? And I said, well, well no. I just well, you know, going. you were like a bulldog. You just bit into someone's leg until they gave you the information you needed. So what were the tips and tricks you gave her then yesterday? I guess it's just to take a step back, take a deep breath and understand that not everybody thinks in the same way that you do. I'm going to have to stop for a minute because my dog's having a drink. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. We can't hear it. Don't worry. Can't you? <laughs> oh, yes, we can. I'm going to switch to Jürgen in the meantime. <laughs> Jürgen, so... In in the in the planning process, then you know, as I said, we we you we, you you are a very meticulous person too on on your planning. Sometimes really going down into into minutes, and you said it was more difficult sort of making that connection. But have you actually changed the structure of it in any way? Because I know you're working a crazy project at the moment, which is really really fast pace and and unpredictable. So how you how do you cope with that in a virtual environment? Well, you still have all the people who are responsible for their streams. And, and you very much rely on what they are doing and you just trust that they are doing the, the right job at that moment. And that's the advantage. You use every type of communication you have in this situation. That means you can you can chat with them, you can send emails, you have uh, conference calls. It's just an, a balanced way of making sure that you have all the information that you would need, that you still have that kind of information in, in the same way that uh, you would have if, if you had day-by-day -day, uh, check me check-up meetings. So anyway, Wendy, I'd like to talk to you a bit about the actual planning process. How different is planning in a remote situation from as if you were all together in one room? So we use a lot of uh, Skype meetings, Skype calls, uh, Teams mm -hmm. teams meetings. So we can discuss like we're not physically in the same room, but we still see each other and talk to each other. So some of our some of our, our colleagues have been saying it's more difficult to get hold of people. Would you say that's the case? Now you can easily see if someone's online and you send a Skype a message and then you can call him. So it's not making any difference to you for the actual planning point of view. No. It's not so much of a problem. No, okay. not for me. Picking up on a point now, and I'd like to come back to, to, to you, Patrick. So you picked up on a point then about sh making sure that they're doing the things that they should be doing, which leads me nicely onto, onto the reporting, because I used to use a sort of balanced scorecard reporting process. Now, I, I can imagine in the agile world, the reporting is ongoing, Patrick. Has it changed at all uh, that the reporting that in your case you might be giving to your senior management teams about where you are? Uh, in, in the process and, and when they can expect a result? No, also there I think we, we continue working uh, as before. We have our STIRCO meetings also uh, remotely, of course, and the topics we discuss in the STIRCO meetings haven't changed. I mean, uh, the structure has not changed. Uh, we, do, we report on budget, we report on, on issues, we report on, uh, on progress towards KPIs. So the KPI reporting we already had, is is also valid in these in these uh, in these remote times. So, no, I don't think that for. Um, but you have to collect the data to put in the report. Is that is that easy? Is it more difficult? Uh, so. No, not 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 exactly uh, or not precisely because um, the, the the different teams they they are still reporting back to their stakeholders. 
by a two by bi-weekly um, uh, demonstration. So also these demos are are taking place remotely, so they can see what the progress is. They can they can ask questions. There there is interactivity. There is discussion on the on the strategy. There is discussion on the on the future sprints. So to be honest, I think that there's there's really no no change on on, on that topic. Yeah. Well, that's very reassuring, and it sounds very very pragmatic. I love the idea of giving a live demo even remotely because um, I think a lot of our business clients uh, and customers and contacts that we have, I I think a lot of our um, com- I think there are a lot of companies out there that are scared that actually their projects are going to fall behind. It's very easy to make an excuse on remote management. And quite clearly, this morning, are not giving me any signs why why clients should be nervous about their their project portfolios going over budget or under time or, or whatever. So that's very reassuring. I'd like to get back to Wendy for a moment, because when we're talking about uh, project reporting, there's two elements of the port reporting that I think our listeners might be interested in. One is how you actually report upwards, should we say. But the other element is how do you get the information from people to know that what they're giving you is correct? How do you do that in a remote way? How are you gathering your information and qualifying that? Well, we have our project register in which the project managers have to put their updates in. We have our weekly meetings. Uh, which are still happening. So our project management meeting, which is normally a physical meeting, we now have it via Teams or via Skype. And it's there that they give their updates or if they have issues, they call. They send a daily uh, reports on the progress by email. So, But how do you know? I mean, how? because when you're physically with someone face-to-face mm-hmm. and in the same room, you kind of get a sense that they're holding back or something's not there. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it doesn't happen in your team because it's so beautifully led. But I mean, <laughs> in a lot of teams and a lot of organizations, people have a habit of not always reporting exactly what needs to be reported. Yeah. Well, as the people we work with, we know them from before the lockdown. So you know how people act or react and you can. Well, so how long have you been? How, how long have you been working with your teams for? For many years. Um, I so think... you know each other very well then. Yeah, indeed. So that's maybe an advantage in these kind of days. <laughs> to... <laughs> it's not like you have to work from scratch. From. Uh... But if if you were, had to give uh, some advice to, to someone who's who's never worked remotely before in terms of uh, getting information from people and qualifying it, what what would you give them? Well, what I do is always ask a lot of questions. So if someone is is telling something to me, I'm just challenging it and and ask questions to see if it's fit for what we need or or if it's fit for purpose for the the customer. Do check from one week to the next what they reported the week before and what they're reporting Mm -hmm. this week. Yeah. Indeed, or the feedback that we get from our clients. So if it's not correct what they're telling me, then it's, it's been uh, reported back uh, very quickly, to be honest. Yeah. Do you find you have to be stricter now than you were before, or is it not changing? Is the style between you and them on the reporting and getting it, is it different? No, it's not different from my point of view. Coming back to you, Oliver, and on this business of reporting, 
again, I remember the challenges one would have getting information from people's heads or their PCs and getting it into a reporting structure. Has that got any more difficult? Is it changing? Is, is, it, is it going as smoothly as you would like in your project? Um, yeah, I think in the past when you've been able to go into somebody's office and sit down face to face and have a chat for five minutes before you start talking about work has changed slightly because when you sit in with somebody, even if you've you know, even if you've got a webcam on, when you when you're sitting with someone close to, it does feel a little bit different, and and you've got that bond straight away. Yeah, uh, but one of the easier. one of your strong points was the fact that you could challenge people because I can remember there was a, some icy figures who would say, yes, this is my this is this is where we are in the project, this is what what we're doing, and you knew and they knew that they actually weren't telling the hundred percent of the truth. And one of the things I liked working with you was that you had this very nice, friendly, gentle way of of getting them to open up and trust you and actually share the mm-hmm. truth, which is actually very very important in project management creating that space uh, yeah are you adapting your your techniques do you think for this i don't know if i'm a, adapting them at all um it's still pretty much the same you're still pretty much trying to relax people and get them to trust you and, and understand that you're not you know you're not the enemy and and that um even when people feel like they want to hide something because maybe they're embarrassed or they think they you know they're going to get into trouble it's trying to help them to understand that you know if they have got problems if there are issues it's it's up to the steering committee or the core team meeting to help them solve their problems so really it's trying to get them to open up for help rather than um, being criticized and reassure them that it's not about criticism it's about it's about help and and i think just having sort of a calm attitude and a relaxing attitude and eventually when when you do um, help people to solve their problems and they do realize you're not there to to catch them out you build that bond and people begin to trust you more so it's just building up those relationships and, okay. and i think you can do that remotely it's, it's it doesn't seem to have been an issue so far What I wanted to look at was, I think if you imagine you, you've got a big multi-million euro project that you want to start and you're, the, and you're the, a senior manager of the company and you know there's a certain element of risk there, there may be a tendency to say, well, let's just wait until November or next year and see what happens and take the risk of, of just not doing it earlier and losing out a bit on the business case. It might be easier because they would be worrying that it might just slip. So I wanted to ask you, Jürgen, what techniques are you using now to keeping your project on track? Well, you keep monitoring. Uh, it's it's not like uh, you're you're out in, in uh, or you're running blind. Uh, you can just keep asking people how how uh, things are going. I revert more to email now. While earlier I would just say, let's let's have a, a quick chat. Um, there was also we have an, an, a manager in in our department who, back before we had that lockdown, who would uh, do management by walking around and just asking people all the time what they were up to. Um, I've seen now that same manager has reverted to setting up daily meetings, check-up meetings. So that's that's one way of, of doing things. I, for myself, I typically have all the information I get from the reporting, uh, from the chats that I have with people. And what I found out, a very good tool that you can use now is just have a quick chat. And don't expect a response immediately. Just uh, put it on a chat, say, I need this and this information. And that talking that you did before is now suddenly reverting back to a simple, small conversation, a digital uh, conversation that is. But it works pretty well. 
Um, well, I know that um, Patrick is using all sorts of fancy tools with his team. He's 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 got um, he's got a Slack and a Miro and all of these things. Are you Jurgen converting over to to sort of should we say non-conventional tools within uh, the organisation, or are you just talking about chatting on WhatsApp, or how's that working for you? Uh, WhatsApp, not that easily. We use uh, Teams in the company. And as a matter of fact, the company that we're in now has changed over to Teams in, in an early phase. So they had did uh, early adapting. The result of that is that they were very, very, very much aligned already with, with this whole situation. As a matter of fact, I, I don't think that anyone in the company really had to change their procedures. The, mm -hmm. They already had a home office. They already were uh, using laptops to bring the work home. They already had, well, we already did virtual uh, meetings before. We do not have one single telephone set in the company. So the, mm -hmm. uh, ev everyone is using headsets uh, already. So as a matter of fact, there was no, no change at all in that sense. Thank you, Jürgen. Okay, so I'm going to ask. Uh, I'm going to ask Patrick. So you know, everything is sounds very much under control, and everything's back on track and staying on track. In your in your case, is there anything you're missing from the days when you were together? Is there something that you? What are you? What are you going to look forward to most when when someone says, "Okay, you you can go back to normal," whatever that is. Well, I think I am um, looking forward to uh, to see my colleagues again in in real life. <laughs> Being able to uh, to make sure they're all they're all okay, uh, that's that's something I'm I'm, I'm missing. Today okay. we're in a situation where where your private life and your working life is uh, is taking place in the same environment. That's something that uh, it's okay for 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 a certain time, but um, I think we all uh, are eager to to, uh, to see each other again in um, in real life. Uh, yeah, and just sit in, in sit in traffic jams uh, in, every morning, waiting to go into the office. <laughs> uh, Oliver, what are you missing, or what will you look forward to when when this is when this lockdown is over? I guess it's the same. It's that human interaction. Looking forward to going back to travelling again. I've been missing travelling around the world, but uh, yeah, it's just the human side of things. I think uh, with, with technology nowadays, you can pretty much work wherever you like, and. Uh, Again, same as what Patrick said about the, the home and your work life mixing together. It's a little bit strange, but it's okay. So the next the first thing element. you're going to do is head for the airport and get on a plane then, is it? Uh, well, in this particular, yeah, I think I am actually. I think the next one will be a, a trip to Taiwan, yeah. Okay, yeah. fantastic. And, and Jürgen, what are you missing? Um, what would you look forward to? I would say the, the natural behavior of people, that's the, b the biggest thing. So the moment you do virtual meetings, you always revert back to a more neutral speak. You cannot, you always have to take care you do not offend someone because you're, because you have no body language. Uh, with your body language, if you say something um, embarrassing, but you smile with it, everybody knows, okay, fine, th th this is fine, this was a joke. You can't do that uh, when, when you're talking virtual. You, it helps a bit if you have a camera on. And what I see happening now is that more and more, during more and more meetings, people turn on their cameras just to have that, yeah. that visual aspect again. But as long as you don't do that, you always have to be very careful of how you word things, not to offend people. And that part I'm, I'm, I'm missing just the way that you can really speak out naturally and just make jokes with each other that's that's the part i'm really missing yes absolutely because i always have the feeling that now everything is recorded so you have to be just a little bit more more careful wendy what are you going to look forward to well 
to see everybody in person because we might talk to each other via the tools, eh, via phone or via Teams, but that's not quite the same as meeting up physically, of course. Eh? It's like you don't have the, the sense or the feeling of, of being with real people. And that's something that uh, I'm looking forward to, yes. Well, listen, thank you very much for your input today. It's been great and uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you very much. I'm sure our listeners will really appreciate it too. If I understand correctly, and just to conclude here, that the message is loud and clear that remote working is no excuse for delaying a project or even assuming that it's not going to run as well technically as it would do if we were all in the same space is that correct is that is, is that correct uh, patrick um absolutely i think uh, yeah i think that's the the good conclusion of this uh, of this session oliver yeah definitely i think that the management and the governance of the project uh, <clears throat> there shouldn't be too many issues i think people might find that there are issues with when you do really have to bring people together there are occasions when, when really it would be nice to be at the factory in Taiwan to do face-to-face -face meetings um, and workshops because virtual workshops can be quite difficult but that isn't the same as a running a project that's just an element of the project so but but that all comes down to the planning as well which can be done remotely you know you, you just got to sort of be agile and adapt and, and understand that the challenges are there and but the remote part of it shouldn't be something that blocks you in my opinion and just Jürgen and what should be my message to any CEO or CFO who's worried about embarking on a new important project for their organization? I would say the uh, the management part is not much of, of uh, a difficulty. You can still talk to each other. You can still make the plans. The problem is that you will need to make a plan B. And that plan B has everything to do with the moment you need really need to bring people together. The moment you need to get on site, uh, if there are travel restrictions, if people are not allowed to do the assessments, if people are no longer allowed to, to come into the buildings, that's the moment where, where you can really expect that a project gets delayed. But from a planning perspective, that's not really a showstopper. It's just even more work because now you have to come up with multiple plans uh, and, and solve all the what-ifs scenarios. Yeah, okay, but that's specific to this this kind of this time, isn't it? This is specific to exactly. the problem that we're in at the moment, and it's not specific exactly. to remote project management. So, well, thank you very much indeed, ladies and gentlemen. It's been great, and I wish you a very pleasant week. Stay healthy, stay safe, and I'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Harley. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Pleasure. Bye. Bye, Harley. There now follows a few minutes of bonus material that was not included in the original recording. Enjoy. Great, guys. What did we miss? What question were you hoping for or topic were you hoping for that we didn't get? You should be thinking of disaster recovery because what we are now talking about is business continuity. We are, uh... yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. Oliver, what did we miss out on, do you think? It's making sure that even if we're not in these times, even if we are moving forward in the future to where we're going to be working from home more, working remotely more, I think there needs to be a sort of a, a mindset in the organisation that it's okay to work from home. So, you know, you're trusted to do that because when this first started, certainly from my perspective in the meetings that I've been to at the start, there was a lot of people saying, oh, I really wish I was in the office and I really wish I was at home. But I kind of got the underlying feeling that they felt like they had to say that, but really they were quite happy uh, doing their meetings from the kitchen and, and having that flexibility. So organisations, I think, in the future need to help their staff, their employees uh, 
to, to, to work like this. Absolutely. I, I see that as a new way too. And, and Patrick, um, what, what, what could, did we miss something? Did we bring, was there something that you wish we, we had gone into more depth on or, or something? I think uh, we discussed the essential part of, uh, of managing uh, projects uh, remotely. The only thing is that, of course, we are always discussing here in, in, in the context of, let's, let's call it ICT projects that are manageable um, uh, remotely. But I can imagine that a lot of companies also have other projects running uh, that have a more physical impact, uh, for example, on, on shops or, or stuff like that. And that these kind of projects for the moment are uh, way more difficult to continue. Like in construction, you mean, or something like that? No, I heard, I heard for example, that but companies that are, are also not used to, uh, to work remotely, yeah, they are forced now to do so, but they also have projects whereby they, where they want to uh, reorganize uh, the shops or uh, have some, some projects in physical locations where it's more difficult today to, uh, to continue working. But Oliver, I don't think you're working in an um, IT project, are you? What kind of project are you working on at the moment? I'm doing a supply chain management. We've got a manufacturing plant that we've bought in, uh, in Taiwan and we want to ensure that the way that they do their processes match the way that they do the processes in the rest of the world. So it does encompass all sorts of different changes, information technology and, and processes on the shop floor themselves. So uh, pretty similar to what Patrick's saying is that you, when the changes are made on the, on the floor, on the production line, you've got people physically needing to be there and do things and you've got to be on the floor and, and make those process physical process changes in the manufacturing environment and um, which means that uh, human beings need to be there and do it but yeah it encompasses all sorts of all sorts of things well i think we've missed the human aspect the moment you start discussing and suddenly somebody has to turn around and and, and feed the baby uh, or a, a child is uh, starting to yell at in, in the background. That's the kind of stuff you, you have to get used to. Um, and then I, I had it before, definitely, if you have distributed teams with people literally doing that from, from oh, a small home. Not everyone has the luxury of having a big office. Every time you see the other people say, okay, but no, no, that's, that's, that's okay, that's okay. This, this is life. And suddenly you're very much into somebody's home, literally from everything you hear and everything that's being said. And that's different. That's what you do not have in the office. Well, funny you say that because our producer's on the line here, Kim, and uh, I know that she has younger children and lots of distractions during the day. Hey, Kim, how do you cope Hi there. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's very difficult. So my children are in uh, grade school, I think. They're six, seven and nine. So they're not babies anymore, but it's still hard to keep them silent. So in our first podcast, which I was in, one of my children was coming up to me and asking me all sorts of questions. So that's always a difficult situation. And um, I know my team members are already used to my calls being interrupted with the children and, and things like and, that. But And do you, do you think your clients, uh, because I know you run a busy marketing agency and you do, you know, fabulous work for us too. So, but I mean, do you think your clients are sympathetic to that? Um, uh, of course, I try uh, keeping the children away when when there's an important call but yeah i think everyone is very understanding in this situation it's it's difficult for everyone if you have small children or or no children at all because yeah I have oliver's a got a big dog we heard him <laughs> yeah he, of course. he came into his office for a drink of water 
<laughs> What's your dog's name, Oliver? It's a boy. It's Ruby, and I got another dog, Luna. But you won't hear her drinking. Why not? She She's drinks with a straw. Oh, yeah, she drinks out of a cup. <laughs> oh, fantastic! And have they caused any problems with your clients or in your meetings up till now? No, just the odd bark every now and again, but that's okay because they always comment on how big my dog must be. So that's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you can okay. always threaten to set them on 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 them if they're late with their reports. Um, hey, I did, did have a meeting uh, last week, and uh, um, the program manager was presenting, and her daughter came in to start making breakfast, and uh, you could hear all the plates rattling in the background, and <laughs> and then uh, somebody asked what the noise was, and she replied that her daughter was making breakfast, and they asked what it was, and then her daughter started uh, speaking in Flemish about how it's got nothing to do with the people in the meeting, what she's having for breakfast, and. Uh, <laughs> But uh, everybody's shouting funny. I think uh, by by now everyone's quite used to all this sort of this sort of stuff, haven't you? Well, you probably guessed that I'm British or was was British after Brexit. I became Belgian. But I mean, in the way that I ran businesses, certainly in the 90s, there was a very stiff relationship between employee and and boss, we say. And very, you, you just talked about the work. You might say, oh, lovely weather. And that was about as much social contact as you had. I mean, there was nothing. I've got a feeling that this might change the way that we actually, when we get back face to face, like you're looking forward to, Patrick, I think it might actually change the way that we have conversations don't you about family or whatever yeah i think certainly we all know each other a little bit better because we certainly everybody knows i've got a big dog now and everybody knows the, the program manager's daughter makes whatever she was making for breakfast yeah i think we all we all have a little insight into other people's lives even if we don't see it we certainly hear things going on become a bit more human maybe a bit more sympathetic to these this topic what do you think uh, kim do you think that's likely to be? Uh, yeah, you might get another view on on people you work with, but I, in my opinion, it's it's gone the other way. Oh. So yeah, I find it very interesting that you say that that the conversation was very stiff. That might be because I started a little later with my business, but I think we. Th- Due to the social distancing regulations, I think the conversation has gone a little distant as well. Okay. So we might have a bit more uh, insight in, in the situation of people, but I think it's it's also changing the way we interact in, in after the crisis, if the face-to-face meetings will start up again. I think it will be more distant. Okay, interesting. And Patrick, physically is... and, and that way also. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, well, that will be... Yeah, that will be interesting, won't it, when you're going to a restaurant and you're sitting a long way away from someone else. Uh, okay, Patrick, and any views on are we going to get closer or are we going to get more distant? What do you think? Has well, it changed? Well, I think it, I think indeed that if, if you having this kind of conversations brings people maybe a little bit closer together since you, you enter in their private life. For example, what you see on the video, uh, I see your, your, um, your background, I, I can see your office, uh, I can see the books you're reading, I can see... It, it gives me a little bit more to know people a little bit more better and a little bit more on, in their private life is always a good basis to create also trust and, and trusting people with who you work with is, is always um, important to, uh, to get good results um, to work together. Thank you very much indeed. Well, my producer's coming in with a lovely cup of coffee, so I want to say thank you very much and uh, have, a, have a safe day. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Have a nice weekend. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That's it. Perfect.
This podcast was made possible thanks to the Biob Partnerships Academy program. It was presented by me, Harley Lovegrove. The music was taken from a live recording of Mozart's First Symphony, given by the Lucca Chamber Orchestra, conducted by Michel Tilcan. It was recorded as part of the Young Belgium Talent Initiative, of which the Biob Partnership is proud to present itself as a platinum sponsor. You can find the full video of the concert on YouTube. Just search for Young Belgian Talent, Michel Tilcan, Mozart Symphony No. 1. Thank you. See you next time.